So we are to be humble, holy, happy as we hold forth. It's got about three and a half. Hold forth the word of life. But there is one more thing that Paul instructs us to be. Brace yourself for this. Stop complaining. This is how you prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of the crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Stop complaining. Yes, be humble. Yes, be holy. Yes, be faithful to testify to the gospel. Yes, be joyful. But the priority here is stop complaining. Both are in the plural. Grumblings and complainings or disputing. In fact, uh, grumblings is an onomatopoeic word in the Greek. It's gagas It's one of those expressions of discontent and dissatisfaction with low guttural sounds. What are you talking about? Complaining against the government? No. Stop complaining to God about the situation. You are who you are. You are where you are. And you are not to complain because this is where God has you. That was episode number 2821 on Wretched Radio with Todd Friel, and he has cited and recorded John MacArthur's sermon from Grace Community Church in Los Angeles, California, How to Live in a Crooked and Perverse Generation, which was first recorded at Grace Community Church in December of 2020. The transcripts of the sermon can be found on the Grace to You website. Welcome to another episode of Gospel Gal. I am Marissa Namir, Gospel Gal, and in today's episode I will be discussing this little recording from Wretched Radio. I will be talking with my co-host Joy Dudley, as well as my good friend Vanessa Cabasa, who originally brought this episode to my attention. I will be addressing this video from the perspective of Psalms and some various places in Scripture. So welcome to this hot take with Gospel Gal, Joy and Vanessa. I look forward to the conversation. Love to hear your thoughts. Vanessa, what were your initial reactions to the wretched video? MacArthur demands from the Christian that they stop complaining to God about their situation in a callous use of God's sovereignty, asserting, quote, you are where you are and you are not to complain because this is where God has you. What? Equating complaining with grumbling combined with a blanket prohibition against complaining to God does harm to the soul, is spiritually abusive to the suffering, and goes against scripture itself. Okay. So my first impression of this clip after I listened to it was I wondered if this guy ever read the Psalms because the Psalms is literally sprinkled with complaints and laments to the Lord. Vanessa, what specific Psalms came to mind for you as you were thinking through the fact that God's people do lament and that we are to go to him with a voice of our crying Psalm chapter 55, verse 1 and 2. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me, answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan. Psalm chapter 
4, verse 1. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Psalm 142, verse 1 and 2. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. The second thing I was wondering, the second thing that I got angry about was the fact that this was a diminishing of God's character because it portrayed God as somebody who does not want to hear from us or someone that is easily annoyed by his people when we come to him asking for things instead of somebody who actually wants us to come to him. So those are my initial reactions to the clip. Yeah, thank you for that. I kind of got the same thing and had the same impression, especially having grown up in the IFB the independent fundamentalist Baptist environment that so many of us have. In this clip, MacArthur is preaching from the Apostle Paul, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So to me, that gives the impression that the grumbling and the disputing that is going on is in a certain context in the community. And the Apostle goes on, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So there it is. What Paul is discussing here is our testimony before the world. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. That's verse 14. But as MacArthur speaks, I am transported back to my fundamentalist upbringing, where there was an unspoken or overt expectation that the expression of emotion was at least fleshly, if not completely sinful, especially the attitudes of anger, anxiety, fear, or sadness. The Christian was to be joyful. So, of course, complaining was looked upon as bad behavior or a sub-Christian mentality. Now, we understand that Paul's imperative is not problematic. In the context of Philippians chapter 2, the apostle first reminds us of the great sacrifice of our Savior for us. Only after providing this comfort does he call Christians to live accordingly as beloved children in a world that's hostile to Christians. He is admonishing his hearers to remember to live at peace with those around them. He stirs his hearers up to remember the kindness of God and his sovereignty and his plan for their lives. So what is so glaringly problematic in MacArthur and Friel's message here? The hearer is carelessly instructed to stop complaining but is not provided with instruction on what to do with our brokenness and pain other than to live with it to prove ourselves blameless children. What I have learned, having experienced bouts of pain and discontent, is that God's well-beloved ones can and should boldly bring our complaints to God. He is our Father who knows the very hairs on our heads and therefore we are free to approach Him with all of our cares. The Psalms, as you said, Joy, are full of lament, and the psalmist rightly lays out his grief before our God. So you see, the Lord knows our hearts better than we know them ourselves. We can approach him, and when we do, he won't be fooled into believing that we're content with our current lots in life when we're not. At times, we're actually offended, stressed, 
worried and our hearts are sore. And guess what? He knows. He sees. I think that a message to the children of God that they are to restrain themselves from honest lament before their father is both false and toxic. It's toxic to assume that God's ways for you are hard, so therefore he demands that you take your bitter medicine and like it. Far from putting us in time out for whining, our triune God welcomes us into his presence, even with our babblings and cries for Christ's sake. Think of what the Son of God performed for us. Jesus put on flesh, not only to live obediently in our place, not only to suffer the wrath of God that we deserve, but to feel our angst, temptation, heartache, and pain. His empathy is always on full display. Listen to Dane Orland describe our mediator and Savior's compassion for us. Joy, do you have that quote? Yes. Sympathize is not cool and detached pity. It is a depth of felt solidarity, such as echoed in our own lives most closely, only as parents to children. Indeed, it is deeper even than that. In our pain, Jesus is pain. In our suffering, he feels the suffering as his own, even though it isn't. Not that his invincible divinity is threatened, but in the sense that his heart is His human nature engages our troubles comprehensively. His is a love that cannot be held back when he sees his people in pain. Amen. What thoughts do you have about that? It's mind-boggling to me. Again, this really flies into the face of what was spoken here in, in the clip. Because, again, in the clip, they kind of portray God as somebody who's far off, doesn't really want to be bothered with us. Whereas... The scriptures portray Christ as being feelingly drawn into our distress, that he became human, and in his humanity, he understood what it was like to be tempted, yet he was without sin. So he's not somebody who is withdrawn and disconnected from our suffering. He is someone that is approachable, as someone who can also empathize and sympathize with us because he himself has experienced it in his humanity. That just brings a whole level of comfort that, again, is so often denied in Christian circles. It's unfortunate. 100% agree. I imagine that the objection to this would be, well, you can be sinful in your attitudes. And my answer to that is, who is our mediator and great high priest who forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness? We do not find ourselves in righteous attitudes. It is something that we are led to because of the compassion and kindness of our Savior. Amen. Thank you for adding that. The whole idea of Christ coming as our mediator, this portion that you just read, speaks to Christ as our high priest. He's our mediator. He intercedes before the Father for us, and there's nothing about us, as I stated before, that he doesn't already know. And the fact is that he knows our own hearts better than we know them ourselves. So there's no point in going to God with a pietistic facade. If you're hurting and broken and raw, the best thing you can do is tell the Lord about that honestly. I remember there were times in my life, specifically one occasion that I'm thinking of that lasted for a long period of time where all I could do is say, Lord, change me because I cannot change myself. And he heard the cry of my heart. But what, would, what good would it have done if I just told him, 
Lord, I love your ways, and I love what you're doing in my life right now. Thank you so much. And isn't that such a chief act of faith when we can come to God believing that he is who he says he is and realizing and bringing our pain to him, knowing that he is able and ready and abundantly able to do above and beyond what we could ask and think. I kind of feel like hiding our emotions and feelings from God is, number one, fruitless. Yourself. There's no 
there's no way that you can ever say that you're not safe. Because Christ, as he is in scripture, is the God of the weary and heavy laden. And his heart is gentle and lowly towards sinners who are consistently aware of their own sinful nature, of their own hearts and minds and attitudes, of their own groanings. And he cares about those things, and he wants us to come to him. Thanks be to God, yes. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Does he know that we're weary and heavy laden? The Lord knows, so why are we going to approach him as if everything's all okay? Just stop complaining. Just makes no sense. Anyway, so as I step back from the past pain and skepticism of God's paternal heart into the present reality of the love and care of the triune God for me, I remember these truths. Recall them with me. Hebrews 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. The Son of God passed the test for me, and he ever lives to make intercession for me, having experienced the very temptations that I have yet without sin. Romans 8.26 In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses because we do not know what to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. So the Spirit of God is given to me as a certain deposit, assuring my standing and future glorification. He steps in, prays for me when I do not know how to sufficiently or correctly pray for myself. Matthew 10, 29-30 Aren't the sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So my father in heaven is moved with everlasting love to the extent that he did the unthinkable for a sinner like me. He gave his only begotten son and will never withhold from me what is good. I can now confidently approach him with all my burdens, brokenness, and even blind spots, knowing that he will never cast me out or disdain my appearing before him in my pain. Therefore, with the psalmist, I can confidently say, I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Psalm 142, 1-3. Complain to the one who faithfully loves you and has the power to bring change to your situations, stories, sadnesses that you cannot, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Do you have any concluding thoughts, Joy? I would say if you are in a season of grief or despair or anger, bring them to the Lord. Grieve, be angry, despair, and allow him to hold you and know that you're safe forever because Christ is your cloak. He is your covering. He is your merciful high priest who is able to sympathize with you in your weaknesses. He lived that life of perfect obedience in your place. And he has given you his righteousness. And then on top of that, he is forever and always your mediator. Everything in scripture for the believer determines that Christ is for you. And he is in your corner. And he is your advocate. Throw away any teachings that would tell you otherwise. Amen.
Thanks be to God. Very good, edifying thoughts there, Joy. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this up because it's very important to talk about. A special thanks to Joy and Vanessa both for participating in this episode. We pray that the episode was a gospel blessing to you and that you take these truths with you and are able to share them with others as they may have need. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also for the sources that were used in this episode today, you can find them in our episode notes as well as on the blog. Be sure to share, like, and talk about these episodes with your friends and loved ones and we look forward to our next episode with you until then we bid you gospel blessings